there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. My guest today is Nuno Virgilio. Nuno is, uh, I think, the first pilot we've had on who calls Portugal home. He lives just outside of Lisbon. He's been chasing it for over half his life, for 23, 24 years now. He competed in the X-Alps in 2011. He has a whole bunch of site records. He won a World Cup task back in 2012. Been a national champion multiple times, and I've been asked by many, many people over the years to get him on the show. And we were finally able to connect. Great talk with a really fascinating person who has a lot of thoughts on flow and training and safety. He's never had an accident. His wife also flies, and his whole family flies. He got into it. Uh, his dad introduced him to flying way back when, when he was 17, and his wife flies and. At the end of this one, we hear about a pretty scary, crazy story about her getting sucked into a cloud and going over 5,000 meters, getting encased in ice and having a pretty intimate look at the other side. So a lot here, uh, fascinating, fun talk that I think you're going to enjoy. Her full story is in the show notes about that cloud suck day. And he, Nuno also hosts a website uh, called Paragliding bstoke.net and the link for that's also in the show notes that's kind of like an airbnb for paragliders and for traveling pilots so uh, check that out as well enjoy this talk with nuno i really did nuno so good to have you on the show i really appreciate it thanks for coming on the mayhem i, I think you're the first pilot we've interviewed from portugal so i'm, I'm really looking forward to this and there's been a lot of uh, requests for you over the years and i've been following you and uh, we've had quite a bit of contact over the social medias and stuff but never had a chance to chat so welcome thank you gavin it's a great honor to be on the show i've been also following for a for a while uh, mayhem it's a uh, Amazing the the um, the pilots you've been uh, interviewing and sharing their vision and uh, their stories and uh, yeah it's a um, great honor to 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 be on the show yeah it, it well thank you it, it's before we started recording there you were giving me a little bit of your background I understand you live close to Lisbon and you were telling me kind of about the flying there and stuff which I definitely want to hear more about but understand you've been at this game quite a long time you've been flying for half your life so how long is that yeah I, I started um, quite early I was 17 um, just um, after my father who who always been an uh, addict or uh, very interested in aerial sports um, after his uh, military service he was a paratrooper and he kept on going in aerial sports with skydiving and just following general aviation and suddenly there was this sport where you could just jump from a hill you could you wouldn't need to 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 fly off of a plane so uh, this was really the early days of the sport, like early 90s, I don't know. And we were kids, me and my brothers, and we naturally followed his steps and we started flying as soon as we can, as we could. So, yeah, um, it's a long time. I've been ever since chasing the good weather and chasing the clouds and go doing some competitions but um, a lot of xc around and uh, yeah traveling the world a bit meeting people 
discovering cultures, amazing, you know. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's what keeps us, no? With the paragliding thing. Yeah. So, I, you, uh, let's see, you started when you were 17 and you just said you're 40, right? So, you've been, you, yeah, you've been at this for yeah. more than half of your life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And does your family still fly? Do your brother still fly? Yeah, they do. Um, I'm, I'm the oldest. My second brother, he's actually also a really good pilot, although now he's taking a break because family issues. He has three kids, three small kids, so not devoting as much time as before. Um, we flew a lot together. I think we developed, um, we, yeah, we grew up our, as a pilots together. And um, my younger brother is uh, actually a professional pilot in the military. <laughs> He's an Air Force pilot. But he also uh, flies paraglider um, since early age. And every now and then he gets his uh, glider off and goes for some soaring in the, uh, close to the place where he lives, just by the beach. So more, uh, kind of more relaxed flying. Uh, not doing competition or XC, but he's the real pilot in the family. Wow, cool! I, I well, I, I want to talk to more pilots like that to see, you know, the kind of crossover. Some of the commercial pilots we've spoken to have had, you know, their their training is they get a lot better, I guess, training than I think we do, you know, because they, that's just so adamant that they can't have accidents. So they, they really, we did a show on this TEM threatened air management that I, I'd never even heard of. And I'm surprised a lot of that stuff isn't, you know, brought into the fold with, with hang gliding and paragliding. So I'm I'm sure you've learned a lot from him. Yeah, we, we share a lot of experience. That's for sure. That's for sure. I, I didn't, I didn't, tell you i was going to answer that or ask this so you know it's kind of hard to do it on the spot but when you think back at your you know 23 years of flying now do you have a flight that still just really stands out just something that oh that that one um yes i mean uh several uh it's hard to to condense uh, such a long uh, time in just one single flight but um you know, like maybe the longest I flew or, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, the most successful while competing, winning a world cup task is always something, um, or, uh, breaking 300 Ks, uh, from your home spot is never done before, never repeated. So it was just perfect day. So that's kind of memories that stick out, but for sure there's many more. I remember the, the early days, the first time we flew the four of us together, like my two brothers and my father all the time, all at the same time, it was kind of emotional. Um, yeah, the first time I won this, uh, well, first and only, I, I've done it only once, but uh, winning a World Cup task after 100Ks in beating the world's best pilots out there is really makes you feel somehow special no so these are the the ones that stand out yeah Yeah. when when was that you know there was back in 2012 i think um yeah one of my favorite places in portugal is actually a a quite famous place for um uh, championships we had the european just two years ago and uh, a couple of World Cups there, a World Championship 
way back in 2003. Um, this, I think, was 2012 or 13. I'm not sure right now. But uh, mainly a perfect day in the area. We, it's, well, it, it's known for sometimes quite tricky conditions, but when it's good, it's really good. It's like you have these convergence lines. You can go full bar, cruising everywhere and it's then jumping out of the convergence line and you have to to shift gears slow down a bit then go full on again and yeah closing a 100k triangle landing in the town or close to the lake there's a quite nice lake nearby this is uh, one of my favorite places as i said and um yeah winning at home if i can say so was really special i was gonna say because that's quite unusual isn't it i mean there's yeah, you know, it's almost never the local hero that wins you know because they just they have such an imprint on what works and what doesn't that you know it's it's hard it's hard to be creative. And when new pilots come to town, they often, you know, because they don't know it as well, they can make some pretty fancy moves. So that, that must've felt really good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and in fact, the next day or the previous day, I, I don't know, I totally messed up. So it comes uh, <laughs> to, 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 uh, to, to, to this conclusion. Yeah. The local pilot, maybe sometimes you're too much, uh, um, you know, you know the place too well that you think, okay, this direction or the thermals there, they never work. And not knowing this, is, it might be an advantage, definitely. Yeah. Nuno, when you look back on that day, when you think back on it now, was there anything particular that you feel really helped? You know, anything you've been trying to access again, maybe a particular mindset or, you know, is it just things just went right that day? Um, yeah, at a certain point in my flying, we, with the, our national team, were having some mentorship from someone uh, outside of the paragliding world, but with a really um, big experience and in, uh, not just in life, because it was an, an elderly lady, but uh, uh, professionally, she was dealing with... Um, like personal development group dynamics and stuff like this. And she, she really brought something that we could, um, I mean, the whole team, not just me, uh, use in the paragliding. And this was, um, if I can condense it to just a, just a, a couple of um, bullet points, what's just uh, like realize what you're doing understand why you keep doing it and be totally aware of where you are, who you are and what's your fears. What do you fear the most? What do you want the most? So as soon as you, you, if you are true to yourself and you can answer these questions, you, you really leave what's restraining you from flying your best. You leave it on the ground. And whenever you take off, you're, you're really, making the best of your flying and at the time i was really developing somehow and this uh, really you know um, um, uh, uh, meditating a bit uh, on these uh, questions and uh, from time to time everything came in place and i could really do well um, that's when i some when when this period uh, happened i finally won my first championships 
uh, even got uh, some good success abroad in some international big events. Um, and this uh, this task I was mentioning, the World Cup, was uh, maybe the pinnacle of all that. So you're just uh, um, that's what people relate to many times when they say they're in the zone. They're they're just flowing. Mm. You know, everything comes together mm. and everything comes out really naturally. You don't even question why while on the ground you know already for sure that you'll have a good one and it, things just um, happen naturally i think that that's what um, makes it for a successful um, uh, competition or xc flight or a flying in general what this lady is she was kind of like a coach i i gather and did she what kind of exercises did she give you or encourage you to do? Can you be more specific about what that kind yeah, of looks sure, like? Sure. Um, well, she, like relaxing, really um, uh, letting go of any, any, how to say, um, um, uh, sorry, I like the English word for this, like any, uh, stress you might have some this um, tense feeling that you you have while on the ground still even before taking off like once i i made this uh this test uh using a, a heart rate monitor mm. during a whole flight and i realized the highest peak of uh, your heartbeat is just before taking off mm. so you're just there standing on takeoff and just anticipating this uh this rush this adrenaline for for the flying you have the highest the peak before taking off so this is just mental sure. no? and if you can if you can acknowledge this first and realize that you're somehow stressed or worried or tense and you can um uh, really work on it you'll you'll be much more at ease, much more focused, much more uh, uh, relaxed somehow. So, some exercises we learned from 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 this period was how to how to visualize. Like you're you're still on the ground and you have a, a task, or you're going for a long XC. You studied the meteo, so you know what to ex to expect. You should study the, the maps of the area you're going through or if it's a competition you know the turn points you'll have to tackle so one of the one of the key things is to visualize to go through it on a mental process in advance so when you're actually flying it it's just uh materializing something that your brain already anticipated so it's it's done mm. it's already done just you'll just have to go through it and uh, this uh, visualization uh, thing it it really works it uh, i mean for me it it helped me it worked also the the relaxing thing the the um, uh, how to how to breathe how to 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 focus and there are some um, exercises that really help you breathing is one of them like uh, it's known that many top pilots you'll see on a, on a takeoff just before uh, people start to take off everyone has its moment of uh, 
somehow isolation you know you'll see some guys putting their headphones and just listening to some music some other guys are just reading a book or some other guys are just laughing loud it's a way to to somehow um get your stuff together like really relaxing on your own way to isolate yourself from what's distracting you um yeah and these are some some of the stuff we were doing at the time mm. you you mentioned when we were just talking before we started recording that you you kind of went through that it sounds like that was kind of the period where you were really performing well has that uh has that changed now? Was that was that kind of the peak, and or does it have you been able to maintain that? I think I I can maintain that, but I don't I don't even think very much about it now. I, it just comes out naturally, mm. you know. You you for a while when you discover something new, you really try and do this breathing thing and uh, visualizing you close your eyes you really anticipate what you're doing and you you really focus on this you i don't know you you take uh, extra care with the with the food you're having the day before and during the 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 flight you keep hydrated and stuff and after a while this kind of becomes natural it comes you absorb it as your your um your um, regular routines and somehow how i feel it is that right now it, it's so natural that i don't even think about it so maybe i even uh, by not thinking about it maybe i lose a bit performance because i don't take it so seriously but things still come out naturally mm. you know you 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 switch to to a different level i would say uh, when things really become uh, the standard, like you do this. Nuno, is there uh, is there anything? Were you in kind of any? Were you doing any kind of a routine to get to kind of access flow on a regular basis back when you were learning about this? I mean, now you're saying now it's coming just more naturally. But was there anything you were doing when you were learning how to do it that people could? Yeah, yeah, I remember it. it really worked for me to activate or to calm down depending on my mood and my stress levels i would say the music i would just put my headphones on and listen to some calm relaxed some music that would act like an anchor to me like i could relate some uh, songs that are that would take me to my safe place you know or to uh, bring back some uh, good memories from um, from uh, moments where i would feel really really well really in the flow and uh, i would use this to to recall the same the same feelings so we would even call it like that anchors so because they really it really has a powerful effect and uh, with me it worked like if i would feel uh, that i was uh, too stressed i would put on some uh, um, song that would make me feel calmer or if i would feel that no i need to activate i'm too lazy here i need to get pumped up you know mm. so i would put something else more uh like I'm a heavy metal guy, a uh, fan. Yeah, so <laughs> you can imagine the kind, the kind of uh, uh, of song that uh, I would listen to. But 
it it worked for me and with different kinds so i would suggest everyone could find their own like what's your favorite song when you that takes you back to a perfect moment everything was flowing or it brings back some really good memories and just put then put it on just before you take off you'll see that you feel really good while flying. And what about when you're in the air? Uh, I, one of the things I've been struggling with lately is is you know, that I'm thinking too much because I I you know before I launch I'll be thinking about okay I want to be really observant, uh, but I also yeah, I I think I'm 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 falling out of flow quite often when I'm flying because I'm trying to be smart. I'm just trying to fly smart. I'm trying to, you know, observe everybody else and think about the different lines and, you know, rather than just, you know, my best flying is always on autopilot. You know, when you, uh, there's a lot of, Adele has talked about this a lot. I've been emailing her back and forth a ton because she's done a, a lot of work on flow, but you know, you have to kind of put the thinking part of your brain aside. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm also um, a kind of analytical, rational guy, but I I prefer to study and to think about stuff when I'm on the ground. If you overthink when you're flying, you're going to mess up. Um, I feel it like you should more like follow your gut. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, don't don't calculate too much before making a move no if you have a like a feeling like uh, something tells me i should go there don't think why why should i go there and not the other way no just go hmm. just go just do because it there, and uh, act some al- almost on yes. impulse yeah 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 because you your your um uh, it's not your brain that knows too much. It's your your own self. It's your uh, uh, like trust your intuition. Uh, just let it. Uh, a good a good friend of us, a good friend of mine, a great pilot, Portuguese pilot. He he already passed away, but he was uh, one of the greats out there. Uh, he used to say something like this, like. Uh, Getting in the flow, that was his definition somehow. It's when you stop flying and you start being flown, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just it's, it's just the, the bigger thing that flies you. It's not you who's flying. You are flown. So it's uh, I really can relate to this. I It's when you just follow your intuition. You don't overthink it. Mm. I think probably the prime, one of the prime, there's many of this, but one of the prime examples of that would be like Manfred Rumor and hang gliding. You know, I I think that just the decades uh, that he's been able to dominate like he does and all the other pilots say that about him all the time. He just seems to constantly make brilliant moves that they don't, others don't see. And I think he's just following yeah, his intuition, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and and, yeah. and not worrying about it. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed is uh, something you mentioned. Others don't see. This is very important to being observant. I've had a couple of uh, task wins in um, situations where I realized first than other pilots what was going on ahead. Like especially when you you when you're when the conditions are changing. Like you're having. Uh, 
uh, tougher times, struggling, going through a more stable area. And suddenly you see in the distance uh, a small cumulus cloud um, coming up and then disappearing. So definitely something is happening ahead. And if you realize this before anyone else, you have the advantage because you can go uh, full speed to this area and, and um you know, we'll go over the, the inversion layer or get the advantage just by making the move first. So being observant is really important, really important. And um, uh, also knowing or realizing when you can really shift gears from slowing down and taking it easy and just surviving a more difficult area to or a difficult part of the day. It can also happen on longer flights or, I don't know, um, cloud uh, cover, put some shade on the way and conditions uh, shut, shut down for a while. So knowing when to shift gears, it's super crucial. Like... Uh, Suddenly, everything is booming again, and then it's time to go full speed. No, don't, 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 don't wait. What do you think it is that separates? You know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've given this a lot of thought, especially lately. It, I mean, it seems to me that at that top level, you know, at the World Championships level and the Europeans and the World Cup, you know, the 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 skill level difference in ter- in terms of technical skill. It, I bet, you know, between the top 50 pilots is maybe a couple percent percentage points. It's very small. You know, I mean, most of these yeah. pilots are really good at, you know, most of the aspects and they all yeah, know yeah. the same information. You know, we, we, it's, it's, it's like Russ Ogden said on his show, you know, Kriegel, you know, a four-year pilot knows the exact same exactly. thing that Kriegel does. Exactly. He's just executing everything better. Um, but when you look at, you know, I, w- I was just down at the British in January and, you know, it was, it was surprising to me to see, you know, guys, pilots that had done really well the year before were, had done, did like, I, you know, there was a lot of people like me that had done really well the year before <laughs> and then just got smoked this time. And, you know, and, and you see that all the time, even at the World Cup level, you see, you know, you, you see that luck plays a hand, uh, and, 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 and other things. Uh, but, but you also see there are some pilots, you know, like Russ Ogden and Julian Wirtz, and there are some pilots that are just yeah, always yeah. in there. What do you think separates? They really them are from uh, consistent the in them, in their performance. Um, I think it's also cyclic, no? We all go through mm. ups and downs in our life, and this relates to your flying. I, I, uh, well, I must say this again. It's a, he was a great mentor to me. The same guy who, who I mentioned before, he also had a, a, a saying that I would never forget. Like, you fly the way you live, and you live the way you fly. So what, what does it mean that your your daily life, your social life, your family life, it reflects on your flying. So you're, if you're stressed about something at work or things with your girlfriend don't, are not so easy at the moment, it reflects. So you, it means you're on a low or you're not um, in your best shape as, as you've been maybe the last year. And it reflects on your flying. Sure. So... It, I, I really uh, think it relates. So I would say the, the pilots who are more consistent are 
we, I mean, we could make a poll and test this out. I'm sure we would get the, this kind of results. Mm. Maybe there are the, the, the ones who are really um, mentally stable. They, they're not going through hard times emotionally or something like this or whatever. Um, but also, um, it, as you say, I also agree, it can be kind of luck. And, uh, maybe just the conditions were not what you're expecting or um, but but mostly uh, i think it reflects the, the your uh, your current state of your living your daily life i also noticed something that there's the pilots who have been at it a long time and you know they've they've worked at it and they've trained these are the kind of pilots that you know these days you know after years and years they don't have to fly very much and they still do really well. You know, there, there seems to be, you know, somewhere along the line, there's kind of an aha moment and it might, it's probably not an aha moment, but it's a, it's that everything kind of clicks. And then I'm not sure you lose that click. It, It seems to be that, you know, you can fly 50 hours a year and come and do really well still. And I, uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I, do you do you feel like that's that's kind of happened with you because you've been at it so long that it's just you know you, there's you you've done it enough that okay I I've been here I've seen that I know I know how this works. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. It comes to a point when it becomes natural. You don't need to focus very hard on oh, okay, so this now I have to to really relax because I'm tense. I'm gonna take off. It's gonna uh, be very hard race. No, let's. So what was the exercise? This this uh, this. Uh, um, uh, lady taught me 10 years ago ah, i need to breathe uh, and just really uh, Im- imagine how is it gonna be the thermals on this last very last turn point and then you know you don't think about it you you're you're so at ease with it that it just becomes natural it comes out really it's part of your nature hey, you've been at this game a long time are there what are you excited about these days that's a good question. Uh, as I said before, I really love XC. Uh, I and I I I fly quite a bit on my area all along the country because okay, Portugal is not that big country, but we already run out of new routes almost. So we fly a lot into Spain, and uh, what excites me these days it's to really study new possibilities because um, uh, I mean I went all directions possible Um, maybe at a certain point I had all the records from the main takeoffs in Portugal I mean the longest flights but as I said as well we have a a nice bunch of pilots really good pilots uh, motivated with this exe flying and we're figuring out where to pull out the next big one and the next big one being a 300k flight in this area which is uh, quite something because the um, the solar window is not so big so our flights our big flights you can do it from may to end of august september maybe and um, on the best days you have like 
seven and a half to eight hours maximum. Uh, I think I never flown more than seven and a half. And during these seven hours, I want to make the most out of it. So this what motivates me right at this moment is to go big on my backyard. <laughs> Last year, uh, after the X Alps, uh, I was watching Revis. You know, one of my supporters went down and flew. Uh, the PWP pre PWC in Spain. I can't remember where that was. Uh, but the week before that, there was a Spanish. Uh, I, I think I don't think they were towing, but I think they were. I'm pretty sure they were punching out over the flats. But it was like the it was like an open distance contest. Were you, were you part of that? Because they, oh, yeah, they had yeah. insane conditions. It was like a week, and they just kept doing these 200 plus yeah, flights yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not there, but I followed and I know the area more or less. And uh, yeah, 280, I think that was the the biggest one from Francis, Francis Reina. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, totally. It, that's the kind of flying we have here. The Iberian Peninsula is quite uh, dry and quite hot in summer months. Um, so, and as I said, we normally have sea breeze coming in so constant flow from same direction all day for some days in a row and uh, when these conditions uh, settled you can expect 3000 plus cloud base with a nice 20 25k tailwind and you know it's uh, it's very safe to go to go even with stronger wind because as i said it's a uh, it's flatland flying mm. um the dream conditions here is when you have uh, convergence lines. So this, you just go full bar, no need to turn, just flying straight from cloud to cloud. And um, yeah, pushing it. Do you have any advice? I, I know a lot of our listeners, have, they ping me all the time with confusion about convergence. And you know that when you're in it, you're just, you feel like a god. When you're not, you're getting slammed. Um, yeah. Do you have any advice for, uh, especially mountain pilots, I think struggle with this quite a bit because they don't fly like, like myself. I don't fly the flatlands very much. What you're kind of looking for, what you're feeling, you know, how to read the clouds. Do you want to be, you know, the upwind side, the downwind side that you, do you have any kind of um, things to pass along about tips for flying conversions? Yeah, um, some. I, I hope to remember the the most important, uh, or at least to to can put it in words. Um, as I said, at a certain point, this becomes almost natural. But uh, looking, being observant uh, on everything, mostly not just what happens on on the clouds ahead like uh, uh several people referred this and I, it's a common uh, statement that you you have a, a usable altitude so you can divide in half if you're above this half you look up you look to the clouds ahead you look to other pilots to birds if you're on the lower half you should look to the ground i would say even if you're on a higher um, uh, part uh, if you really look ahead, really far away, you can you should still look to the ground, looking for signs. And signs in flatlands can be like smoke from fires, from factories, from uh, whichever whichever uh, other uh, uh, origins, or uh, 
like for instance windmills we have a lot of these uh, uh farms no wind farms so the windmills really can be really helpful because they show you um if like if in a, a relatively small area you see windmills uh, pointing different directions you can just calculate where is it where it will be the 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 the, the convergence uh, point or some thermal releasing um yeah but mainly I, when i'm going xe I, I try to be really observant of this uh this these small things mm. where's your favorite place to fly that's a tough one <laughs> as well <laughs> uh i remember really i really liked uh, mexico by the bravo because yeah. it's uh, for its strong conditions and again convergence lines in there it works works amazingly it's uh amazing place for this kind of race uh so it's one of my favorite places um although i although i'm a flatland pilot as i uh, i mean originally no but i really like the mountains so anytime i flew in the alps i fell in, fell in love with the with the area so i really like um uh this french region uh, close to annecy it's mm. amazing it's one of my favorite places i remember one championship in morzine a bit further north was so good it was so good to fly in these mountains um so this is one of my favorite places as well in the mm. alps um i remember santandre on the southern alps it was uh, well it helps that i was uh i also had a successful result there in a european championship but it's amazing area for racing paragliders it's not so high mountains but it's like a race track i would say yeah everything works like in the books you know it's it's perfect so apart from from my own from my area but here in portugal we have three four really good places for this kind of flatland flying i would say Southern Alps, Sandendrail is up for sure. Mexico, Valle de Bravo, and maybe Macedonia. We, I mean, I've just been there twice, and it's surprisingly consistent. And it's a mix, actually, totally flat, but uh, surrounded with some, well, some bigger than other mountains. But it's a really good place. Yeah, Matt. Ma so these are my favorite. Macedonia places. reminds me a lot of. Columbia, you know, you have the, you have the two mountain ranges on each side of the flats and you can kind of mess around in both and man, you can get a lot of hours. I've only been once, but I was, I was really impressed with there. It's a fantastic yeah, place to yeah, hold yeah. comps We're we're constantly, you know, oh, we need to hold more comps here. And we're always like, yeah, but when and where, <laughs> you know, cause it's just so yeah. hard to get the consistency. Yeah. Well, I've never been there, but I heard uh, in the U.S., Chelan is a really good place. I would Chelan love to go there. Is, Chelan is maybe my favorite in the world. I, I, all those places okay. you just okay. mentioned, I absolutely love. I, I, I tried to never miss Valle. I, I love going down there every year for the, at least for the Menarca, if not more. But 
the but Chelan is Chelan's world class, man, and it does and it is consistent. It's it's one of our few places okay. where you you know it, if you get let getting less than four tasks would be incredibly unusual. In fact, I don't even ever remember getting less than four. But usually, usually you get seven out of seven, and it's just. Oh, man, it's cool. It's a great place to race. It's a fantastic place to race. It's terrific. I would lo- would love to go there. I I heard from several friends that it's really good and really really exciting. I I would really love to go there. You would someday. love it because you like strong conditions, obviously, in the places that you fly, and it's it's strong. Um, the the flatlands there are really wild because they have it has this very very soft dirt so you can see all the okay. thermals that you can they're all dust devils and uh and, and so uh, you can okay. see them and it's it's and it's crazy scenic it, you you know you, you you launch off a mountain you fly across the columbia gorge which is you know massive river and then you go out in the flat sometimes in the, in the last couple of years we've also done tasks that stay in the mountains which are really neat you know because you're kind of on the edge of the cascades there so it's just a really cool environment to fly in and then of course on the on big days you can go a long ways you know there's been some the day they they set the distance record in a comp i think the comp was like 226k and they had 60 people in goal there's a whole bunch of personal bests wow. that day you know henzy henzy tagged goal and kept going he went 300 and something k that day where do i sign yeah, up they, they, they just there, come on over <laughs> they just uh it just went live you can sign up on air tribune and it's i think it's july 18th or 19th this year which is a little bit later than it usually is that but it should still be really good Great. Yeah, come on over. Yeah. We'll, 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 I'd love to show you it. It's a it's a fantastic site. So Would so comp it. flying is still you're still doing quite a bit of comp flying as well. Yeah, I mean not as much as I would like because I really like to hang out with this uh, with this tribe. No, we <laughs> all belong to to uh, flying junkie community. No, junkie in a good sense. I mean, of <laughs> sure. course. No, I really like to 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 fly among friends um, and to 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 race. It's where you really learn. It's in a comp mm. because you can go fifty times on cross cross country flying by your own. You'll have fifty chances to to analyze your your decisions and decide in the end if they were. Uh, good or bad if they were uh, successful or not on a comp task you do this all the time because you're surrounded with so many pilots that you'll see it on live if you're deciding good if you're taking uh, making a good assessment and and really taking out the most of the day Mm. so i really like this uh, uh performance kind of flying so yeah comps keep me motivated for sure yeah. And 2011, you did the X Alps. Tell me about that experience. Well, that was a milestone, uh, not just in the flying, but in my life as well. It was. Um, I didn't. I didn't do uh, particularly good, so I survived one week. <laughs> <laughs> it was really tough. The the conditions on that yeah, year. Yeah, 2011 uh, was epically bad. Yeah, it was really bad. The first day was okay, but then we had four or five days in a row with a strong wind and rain. So while I was flying, the first day I could really 
do well. Um, then actually I got a couple of penalties that got me grounded for a while and I lost a, a lot of, of time to my opponents and uh, nice I ended up being, yeah, the first day I got, it was just booming on the Salzburg area going in direction to Dachstein and I inadvertently went into airspace by 20 meters ah, or something. So and, he got me a penalty. Oh, that's just... Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> Ouch. But anyway, it was a really great experience, like a big achievement, like, um, how to say, um, uh, self-accomplishment, mm -hmm. you know? Like, if you, how I see it now, if it's like if you really focus on something, you set up a goal for yourself, doesn't matter which kind you really can make it if you put the right motivation and effort into it so it was uh, really something special definitely when you say it was very hard very hard the, the preparation and the training for such a short uh, um, outcome in the end but definitely amazing experience and, and did you did you pull out because of injury or you were eliminated i was eliminated in the okay. end uh but i was also really having a, a, a hard time because i suffered really hard from huge blisters on my feet mm. so i was in big pain at the time i got eliminated i wouldn't have uh, gone much further actually so and the, in the race this year, watching the videos of, uh, oh, it's not Hanjin, uh, the Korean pilot. Gosh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but, uh, Chik Chik yeah, sorry. Uh, he, oh my God, they were so nasty. Cause my, my feet in 2015, when I got to Monaco at the next morning, Bruce literally had to put me on his shoulders to carry me to the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, my feet, it looked like somebody beaten on them with a hammer I and mean, they were so nasty. But when I watched Chick Young's feet, I was like, Ooh, I don't think mine were that bad. And he just kept, he kept pushing. I, oh, it's just so, oh, it's so much pain. That hurts yeah, so bad. I remember at a certain point, I was such in big pain that uh, somehow the mind switched off from the body, yeah. you know, you're just floating totally. out there. You, you, you cannot hold it anymore. And the only way to kind of go through it is really switch off your auto mode. Like this was really, uh, something that, um, uh, you know, interesting, it was really something yeah. interesting to, to experience this, this thing It's not, uh, um, like I heard some other people saying from different, uh, events in life, like you, when you have uh, an accident or a big shock or a big pain and you kind of see yourself floating above your body. Now I really experienced this while going on a road after, you know, getting into the Dolomite area in uh, border with Italy. I was just floating above my body. It's not, it was not me, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's, crazy. it's Nate, my buddy, Nate, who lives down the street from me, he's a real mentor for me and been flying a long time. He did it in 2007. And he always said, you know, there's only 
there's only one one way to get to that place, and in the X Alps, you will get to that place. It's guaranteed, and <laughs> you know it's yeah. it, it's it, it's interesting because you know pain is something our our brains send us pain to protect us, and it's trying to say, okay, that's enough. You're doing a lot of damage. Stop should, doing this. Stop, but because stop, you don't stop, 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 stop. that's the message. Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, because you don't stop, I think that's when you get that separation because it happens a lot in the race where you're just. It's it hurts like you can't believe, and then it's gone because I think your brain just goes, okay, I, I you're, you're gonna yeah. obviously you're gonna keep going, so I'll let you I'll let you be calm for a little bit. But yeah, it was it was one of those things where every morning I'd wake up and it was just vicious. You know, I mean, I could only walk at like two and a half k an hour for the first ten minutes, and then it'd get a little bit better, and then by forty minutes it was gone. I couldn't, you know, and I I don't yeah. know if it was just numb, you know, <laughs> just. Like the numbing took over, or if it's just my brain gone. Okay, well, whatever. And then I'd be normal. I'd be fine all day. That you know, but it's, oh, yeah. it's yeah, that's that's vicious. Well, um, other hiking flies. Have you done like the X Pier or anything else, or have there been, been any other ambitions since the X Alps? No, not really. Not really. As I said, it was quite uh, an experience. I really keep it as a one of. <laughs> big milestones in my life for the for the whole thing uh but i haven't done much more hiking flies i i, I participated a couple of times on the dolomite and mando although it's a different concept but it's also fun it's like a team event and it's um yeah it's different you have a bit of running but it's just so fast and it's over then uh but no more i can fly actually portugal being a kind of peripheral uh country we are really far away from the alps or from where most of these events happen so i haven't done much just a couple of on my own um hike and fly here on my backyard going with a mini wing and stuff but just a regular weekend flying not not really participating in more events mm. Um, the X Alps was really a milestone and I keep it like that, but it was also really hard, the whole preparation and stuff. So I didn't even consider, uh, applying again, uh, it's more like being there than that. Okay. Maybe if I, at the time could, uh, have managed a, a kind of bigger support or a really good sponsor, I would uh, consider doing it again. But, uh, this part was really high time and energy consuming to the preparation thing. So I've never considered uh, doing it again. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a massive undertaking, not just physical, but financially and everything else. It's a it's a it's a huge deal. <laughs> I, I never thought I would do more than one. And when I did the first one, it was like, okay, that'll, there's no way I'll ever do this again. But then, you know, you get the, I, that first year I got to Monaco and that was just the worst tease ever. Because <laughs> then you think, oh, well, I've got this. I could do it. You know, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a massive undertaking. Um, I, I promised myself that I wasn't going to go, you know, do some shows without talking about, you know, accidents and safety. We've been talking about that a lot lately, but I'm just curious in, you know, 23 years of flight, have you ever been hurt or have you ever had any close calls? 
I've never been hurt. I had a couple of close calls, but but uh, not so close actually. I've been able to keep it uh, on the safe side. I once uh, landed on a tree, got hanged for a while because I was too low to to throw my rescue. But that was it. it the trees were there, so they're the best friends you can get when you yeah. get in trouble like this. But um, never had any major problems that I couldn't solve in, in good timing. So, but unfortunately, I've been I've witnessed a kind of quite a few uh, really bad, and this yeah, it shakes you for sure. It makes you think, no, what you're doing, and really, uh, yeah, get your head straight and understand why you're doing this. And if you really love what you're doing, then you keep it. Otherwise, it's uh, yeah, witnessing an accident or seeing a friend get hurt. It's really a eye opener. Yeah, you know, I'm, I've been working on the the book. You know, we're doing a, a um, with Cross Country Magazine. We're putting together a book of kind of the highlights of the first hundred shows and it's been really interesting going back and listening to them all and hearing the various different uh, advice that we get on on this topic and the one that keeps popping up over and over again is to make sure a you you ask yourself that question you know why are you know is the risk worth it and why are you doing this that's a very good question to ask and not just once but repeatedly you know all the time yeah. to kind of re kind of keep checking in with yourself but the other one is just to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and that's that's been kind of interesting because it's it seems like well that just seems automatic why wouldn't we be doing it for the right reasons but you know in a long career such as you've had and i've been at this now quite a long time too you do have your lulls and you do have times where you're really on it and you do have times when you're really not and it's good to check in isn't it with with that and you know where am i today where am i right now and and like you said you know when you have the different factors in your life that are affecting you as we all have you know jobs and relationships and everything else that yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah, can yeah. that can play a major role. So if you're not doing it for fun and enjoyment, then you really should be thinking about not doing it. Because <laughs> yeah, what's yeah, the point? Definitely. <laughs> definitely. I, I recall three questions that uh, that uh, bring you back to this uh, self-assessment, self-awareness. If you're doing it for the right reason or not and uh, i can share with you and everyone Please. else maybe to to question themselves like uh, because th these same questions were were asked me and i it really makes you think like uh, the first why did you start flying the second is like why do you keep flying why you're still flying and the third which may not even be connected to flying itself but in life in general is what's your biggest fear and if you have these uh, three answers clear on your mind maybe you're you're aware of where you stand and if you're doing it still with the same enthusiasm and still with the 
you know, aware of the risks, aware of the passion, if you still have a passion or not. If you don't, maybe it's time to consider something else. Or if the the answer to your to the third question is so overwhelming or not or doesn't put you at ease with the, what you're doing, then maybe you should also consider the whole thing. No. Mm. And yeah, that's just a uh, it seems very innocent but it can be it can really help you to to yeah self assessment somehow i when i look back at my own experience not just with flying but life i the times i've gotten in real trouble have been when i've forced it that yeah and i think that when you force something you're trying to put yourself you know you're square trying to put yourself in a circle it just doesn't fit yeah. <laughs> um, if you could rewind the clock to your fifty-year, fifty-hour self, so back when you were seventeen, eighteen, and learning how to fly on the coast of Portugal, is there any advice you wish you would have gotten, or something you would have changed in your career of, of flight? Um, yeah, yeah, not changed, but uh, maybe uh, be aware of it at the time. Like uh, surrender, s- surround yourself with uh, uh, more experienced uh, pilots than you. Absorb the small things that uh, you they share with you after a day flying or just having a, a beer after landing and really learn from them because you're if, if you're a beginner and you're just out of uh, paragliding school and you're just by yourself you'll take ages to get uh, to to a confidence level that allows you to really uh, profit from you know to to really take uh, your uh, your evolving as a as a pilot um, successfully and into a good term otherwise if you're surrounded with the uh, more experienced pilots they always have uh, something that you can learn from that you don't have to experience it yourself because that's how to to really um, make it faster this progression mm. So that's my advice for a, a low airtime uh, pilot. Great so advice. stick with the gang, go flying uh, together. Don't don't stay by yourself. Go with uh, with uh, friends. Mm. Share all this thing. In the end of the day, I've done this mainly with my brother, and we were uh, motivating and helping each other. Also sharing a lot of what we were experiencing at the time. But I remember it was really good for both of us at the time that some older guy very experienced pilot at the time he would um, almost take us as his uh, protege no he's um, like uh, kind of mentoring us and giving us confidence yeah i should try this lighter now you will like it go go and do this and that and that you have uh, good like uh, practice your ground handling and you'll feel at ease in the air don't be afraid of this uh, you know mm. so just don't be by yourself uh, share things uh, into get integrated in uh, your local club whatever and go flying together yeah mm. this helps a lot you know last question how has flying changed your life is it's 
it's defined much of your life. You've been at this over half of it. Yeah. Well, a lot, actually. Most of your free time, you're, you're, you're not thinking in a, your next weekend um, or your next holidays as a, you know, as a, as a regular people do. I think you're not uh, thinking. Okay, let's go and discover this new country or travel to this other city. No, you're you're going to a flying spot, actually, right? <laughs> You take the paragliding as an excuse to fly, not the opposite. Um, so mainly all our, I think I don't speak just for myself. No, all of us that fly for a while, you get to this point that everything is around the flying and you, you walk outside, always checking out the birds and, wow, look at these clouds, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> um, we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of time wandering around with our heads up in the air, don't we? My my, uh, my wife is too constantly much. just like, "What are you looking at? What do you mean? What am I looking at? I'm yeah. looking at the possibilities. It's up there. It's not down here." <laughs> yeah, the, even like um, it changed my life in a really um, uh, permanent way, if I can say so. Like I met my wife. At a comp, so she is also flying. So we have common goals in this, and sometimes we even laugh of ourselves, like even like uh, watching a movie, and there's a very intense scene going on, and the comment we make is like, "Whoa, look at that nice sky in the background." <laughs> we don't give a damn about the speech or about the. No, <laughs> that's great. Okay, well then I I lied. That wasn't my last question because that's I didn't know that. It's super interesting to I'm sure have a partner who flies. Tell me about that. Yeah, it sure is. Um, we, we we like you you make plans together actually, but I. You, when we decide what's what's the plan for the for the next holidays is where are we going to go flying no it's, uh, and um, it's to have someone that understands this passion and you don't need to to put it in into words because she knows <laughs> right like how do you explain someone who doesn't fly that you really need to go chase this cloud street that you see at distance. Are you? There's a really good forecast for the weekend. Really massive uh, day coming in. And you really need to go flying. How do you explain this to <laughs> your partner that you're going to miss the family lunch or family gathering because? There's something really much more important than this. Though you don't need to explain because she knows when she's a pilot herself as well. So this is a big advantage, I would say, for um, couples that were both fly. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just the sharing of the same uh, of common passion somehow. Yeah, I mean, I and actually, we've been actually we've been uh, flying quite a lot together in even. Long legacy, I would say my wife, she became quite a, a good taxi uh, pilot and she really likes it. She also has some interesting, um, uh, not just accomplishments, but uh, something in some really interesting events, uh, even life changing because she had uh, once like a uh, cloud suck. She 
And this was very, at the same time, disturbing, but on the other hand, very, uh, I would say, almost enlightening or uh, enriching in her life because she, she went through some some very intense moments being cloud sucked to up to 5,000 meters inside the cloud. Oh. <laughs> anyway, just a, just a side story we could... Uh, maybe develop on this um, for another episode if you like yeah that sounds i want to hear about it right now but i've got to run to this appointment but that sounds uh crazy holy cow that's that's scary yeah but she she she, um actually was a really good day we studied the weather uh together there was no risk of overdevelopment just really perfect uh, cumulus high cloud base and stuff we went over 200 together both of us and uh, some more a bunch of other um, uh, fellow pilots but there was this one cloud that really had um i don't know maybe a stronger thermal close to base and this one grew a lot more than the surrounding clouds uh, and she got disorientated she got lost in the inside the cloud and she couldn't uh, figure it out how to how to 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 manage this somehow and when she finally got uh, spit out of the cloud she was really high since so 5,400 meters somehow and with the ice layer uh, in holder wing and glider and harness very cold and yeah she mentions to this as a she's she's seen the other side you know yeah it was uh, quite intense probably a bit probably but she doesn't lose uh, the the her consciousness i mean she was aware of the time no no permanent no 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 just at the time this uh, the the moisture just uh, froze on her and uh, it was quite cold but she managed to finally come out and uh, yeah then she had a long 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 glide down to earth and to <laughs> digest all this and to yeah but, but actually it was scary but as i said uh, um like it's it's the, the kind of events that make you question again why are you doing this and why do you keep doing this and your biggest fear what is it is to to get her to or to stop living your dreams just because you're afraid of something mm. you know if you can put the things on the right place if you can find the answers for these big questions then if you can uh, understand why these things happen in the end you you you're uh, 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 you're okay with yourself and you or not <laughs> yeah depends so <laughs> you either keep doing it or you just stop yeah if it doesn't make sense 
perfect place to stop. Nuno, thank you so much. We're going to have to get your wife on the show, I think, to hear that complete story. That's uh, it sounds like quite a quite an intense day and intense aftermath. And I, I want to hear about kind of, like you said, seeing the other side. I can, I can relate. I've had a few of those. Um, yeah. Nuno, thank you very much. What a pleasure. I really enjoyed this talk and uh, I can't wait to go flying with you, man. We need to make that happen. Thank you, Gavin. It was my pleasure. Hope to meet you soon, for sure. Thanks, bud. Talk soon. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes cost. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription. And it makes all of this possible. I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I, for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people And these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, You can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, We've tried to make it really easy. And that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little... uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show but we feel like you should hear we don't put any of that behind a paywall if you can't afford to support us then just let me know and i'll set you up with an account of course that'll be lifetime and hopefully and you're being in a position someday to be able to support us but you'll find all that on the website uh all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought cloud-based mayhem merchandise t-shirts or hats or anything you should be all set up you should have an account and you should be able to access all that bonus material now thank you so much for listening i really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show thank you Thank you